Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today's episode is lovingly brought to you by my friends at Healthy Nest. You can go to healthynesting.com for the first environmental working group certified diapers, wipes, and cleaning products that are so good for the earth and good for your children. So I'm very proud to have them as my sponsor. Today's episode is an interview with Ken Cook, who's the president and co-founder of the Environmental Working Group, which if you go to the website and I'll put all of this information in the show notes, but it's ewg.org. If you go to that website, every question you have about our children's health and the environment, I mean, our adult health and the environment is on there. And it's such incredible support and information. Ken Cook is recognized as one of the environmental community's most prominent and influential critics of industrial agriculture, U.S. food and farm policy, and the nation's broken approach to protecting families and children from toxic substances. He is the go-to man for everything that you will need. And honestly, every parenting question that you might have is on that website. They have a whole children's health section so that you can get the latest research for parents, whether it's something like choosing the best sunscreen for your kids or thinking about the cleaning products that you're using. And in particular right now, when we have cleaning products all over the place and with COVID-19, you may be all of a sudden using sprays and wipes and Lysols and aerosols that you definitely were not using before. And so we talk about all of that because it's definitely on my mind. And I figured if it's on my mind, it's probably on your minds. Anyway. When you go to environmentalworkinggroup.org, you can find out even more information. Again, so much on there from cell phone radiation during all of the constant online exposures that kids have right now, things that you can do for reducing chemical exposure in the house. It's endless. And again, for me, it's not about stressing us out about the possible exposures, but rather it's about taking control of the things that we actually can control. And that's what this conversation with Ken is about. It's about what's important that we know we can take care of on our own as parents 
and how to get that information. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. And we are the hosts of A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica, a weekly podcast all about discovery and enthusiasm. Well, that's how we describe it, but someone else described it even better, I think, as a unique mix of urgent discussions of non-urgent things and thoughtful conversations of important and otherwise ignored things. If you want to check it out and see what it's all about, check back every Monday where we drop new episodes. I think you'll like it. It's a great Monday morning ritual. A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a sense of what parents can do to make sure that they create a safe COVID-free environment and follow the regulations and guidelines as we embark on this sort of slow opening, even when people think about sending their kids back to school, all those things. There's so much Lysol and, um, you know, Purell and Clorox. And I'm just curious how to balance making sure that we protect ourselves and others from COVID-19 and this pandemic while also not having this incredible onslaught of toxins that are yeah. we're exposing our kids to when we've been trying to avoid that all this time. Right. And, you know, we're, on top of all of that, people are spending even more time indoors than they usually spend, right? right. So, uh, which is where, you know, the air pollution problems are mostly tend to be worse. Um, from indoor exposures. And so you need to strike a balance. You obviously have to be smart about all the advice we're hearing from uh, public health authorities about hand washing and uh, wiping down surfaces before you go, you know, before you take a shopping cart out of at the grocery store, uh, what steps you take to make sure that packages that are delivered to your home are safe to handle. So it is hard to strike the balance. What we've been telling people, and we have a whole series of resources about COVID-19 on our website. Um, we've, one of our focuses is to tell people about you know, personal care. Uh-huh. We have a whole series of, of, of products that we've reviewed that we recommend people consider when it comes to uh, hand disinfectants and use of soap as opposed to other uh, measures, how to wash your hands, all of those things. I think you can navigate if you're just aware that there are choices to be made about how you ventilate your home, where you sanitize countertops, what you sanitize them with. We have a lot of tips on our website because we've kind of gone through those products and tried to uh, identify the sketchy ingredients and find cleaning products that do the job without the bad exposure. So there, there are routes to doing that. Unfortunately, I'm a little worried at this stage in the pandemic that people are starting to get lax about even those steps, right? And we're certainly seeing it in in our community. People are just, they're just, they're done with it. Um, And so we're reopening, I I feel, too quickly and without enough protective behavior that uh, we were all utilizing just weeks ago. Uh, Now we've left that behind. I see at least in, in our community very concerned about that. But yeah, I think you can strike a balance. There's also a, you know, a divide, I think, men and women. We see it all the yeah. time. You know, the uh, women and, you know, moms get it in a way. In some cases, uh, many cases, dads don't. We always remind people, we've done focus groups trying to get a sense of attitudes about protecting yourself from toxic chemicals. And you, when you divide up the men and the women, which we try and do, you come to the women's focus group and say, well, this is, these exposures, we don't have definitive proof, but we believe that 
there's enough reason for concern that you should probably avoid those exposures. And the women are like, great, just tell me what product I should use. <laughs> right. I mean, tell, tell, well, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm with sold. you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just avoid exposures, even if I don't, you know, know causality uh, down to, uh, you know, the finest detail. Whereas you go to the men's focus group and you say, well, there's these exposures we don't know for sure yet. And the, and the reaction is sort of like, well, you know, something's going to kill you. And uh, oh, besides, Such a when you signed up for this focus group, you said there'd be sandwiches. So when are we getting the sandwiches? <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's such a divide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that kind of plays out with some of, you know, some of what we're seeing with COVID-19. But, but I think the, the real way to approach it is, first of all, take it very seriously. And secondly, think about ventilation. Think about where you disinfect your hands. Think about what you're using on your countertops. And there are things you can use that don't, the, I mean, the main risk uh, is, you know, asthma triggers. Um, asthmogens in these products are the primary concern, not the only one, but that's the one that stands out for us when it comes to home cleaning products. Uh-huh. But you're indoors more, right? We're all indoors, have been indoors more. We're not traveling to work. You know, we're on Zoom. Uh, we're in our uh, bedrooms or our, I've done quite a few Zooms with people in their bathrooms. I don't know why. They, I have but, too. <laughs> right? And they just hilarious. have no privacy otherwise. Right. It's the only place to go. Um, echo and all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think we, you know, in some ways, I'm I'm loath to look at any uh, upsides of a pandemic, but it is a it is an environmental lesson, right? It, writ large, I mean, we, we have not, nothing yet other than environmental measures to counter this pandemic: social distancing, washing your hands, and so forth. These, broadly speaking, we consider those environmental the environment of daily life, and right. so now it's heightened with respect to dealing with this terrible virus, uh, you know, virus. So. You know, you mentioned the buy-in from men versus women. And I just want to go back to that for one second, because I remember when I was buying, I was hell-bent on finding locally grown organic raspberries for my first daughter. And I remember having this conversation with my, I think it was my father, who said, what are you so concerned about or that he was questioning the data or maybe it, it was my husband. I can't remember who, but it was a man. One of a, those men. It was a wonderful man who is life. A wonderful know, man a father of life, some yeah. kind. And um, <laughs> I, I was like, we, we, if we know there's some evidence of bad outcomes, like why do I need to wait for, exactly. you know, replicated, double blind, anything why not just go with, okay, well, for the foreseeable future, we're going to be going for not having the pesticides. And then if I'm wrong, no harm done. So I think that's right. more, my approach was kind of, of the stuff that we can control. Why not? And why not? if, if exactly. we're lucky enough to be able to control that, which brings me to a two-parter. The first is what are the easy ways, especially during this time when we're spending more time indoors, when you know the use of cleaning products maybe isn't ideal products some of the time. Although I, I do encourage people to go to your website to be able to find the best choices. But what are the things that are easier to do and no-brainers that we can 
so that we can help our babies and toddlers and children have as healthy of a controllable environment as possible. And I think the second part of that is, is this something everyone can do or do we get into another part of what is so pervasive right now, which is thinking about racial disparities and the ability for all people to afford to make the choices that will be better Mm. for the environment their children is experiencing. And I'm not talking about now the larger environment so much as our home environment. Correct. Yeah, I got you. No, those are great questions. There are some basic things uh, to do. First of all, the market has changed enough that there are healthy and affordable choices pretty much across the board when it comes to say home cleaning products and, and even personal care. There are, you know, everything from sunscreens to uh, skin lotions, shampoos, and so forth. They're, increasingly, the market has shifted to get uh, rid of the sketchier ingredients in the U.S. marketplace. Thank you um, for, you know, being a father to making that happen. <laughs> yeah, well, we, you know, we've, we've been working at it for many years because we think of the environment as something that's intimate and everyday, not as either wilderness areas uh, alone or smokestacks in the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, the environment is, you know, the aisle you walk down in the drugstore uh, picking out something to clean your house or shampoo your hair or what have you. So we, th- we do think of it that way. And so while in many cases there are affordable choices, there, it's also true that uh, we still have a divide there in terms of availability, I think particularly of food. Phil Landrigan, who we spoke of earlier, dear friend uh, and a giant in public health used to say that organic is private school for food. Uh, it's great if yeah. you can find it, great if you can afford it, but we need to change it, change the food system so that it, it doesn't require that kind of uh, money or availability that's not, not there for a lot of people. And over time, I, I think that has begun to change too. And we're hoping, you know, we're hoping to change it more. So my advice to people is, first of all, don't beat yourself up. We're talking about chronic exposures and chronic risks, generally speaking. Now, asthma, an asthma attack can be sudden onset, of course. That's the nature of it. So that's in a little bit different category. Uh, but, but for the most part, you know, we're looking at longer-term exposures that are manifested in, over the longer term in, in health problems. So start with one area of your life at a time, your home life, and you know, take action. Be smarter about what how you shop. We have resources on our website to avoid exposure to sketchy ingredients in processed food, pesticides and produce, endocrine disruptors, and so forth. And you can over time, you know, don't don't clean out the cupboard and throw it in the trash. Eat through that food. <laughs> um, again, right. unless there's an acute problem, an allergic response of some sort. But just go through and over time, you you don't have to give up modern life and you don't have to double your income to, you know, to have a less exposure. And then move from there to what's under your kitchen sink, what's what's in your makeup kit or your medicine cabinet in terms of personal care. Uh, One area at a time for us is is the advice we give. And Mm -hmm. you, you will get exposure reductions right away. We can't always say you'll get health benefits, but you know, again, the, the thought being that we'll probably never get to the point where we know definitively. And even when we do have mountains of evidence, some people smoke and don't get cancer, don't right. get lung cancer. You know, how come it's not 90% of kids 
uh, with with asthma now instead of the already astronomical number of 11 or 12 percent? Well, it's because we're all a little bit different. Um, so when you factor all of those individual differences that we all recognize, and infants are different than kids who are toddlers or five, it becomes an exposure reduction you know, enterprise for most people, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I say, particularly for men uh, who, and we can be, uh, you know, you, you would think that, that before we'll accept scientific evidence of uh, exposure causing harm, that we'll want to, you know, take a few minutes at halftime and look at the look at the the cancer slides ourselves, you know, to, yeah. just to, just to make sure because because that's how guys are. But what I you know remind people is, look, um, you know, in the workplace, you've you've been misled before by bosses that <laughs> might not have your best interests at, at heart. Well, that happens in in industry too, and there's lots of information we never got that industry held, and there's a, a million examples of it, whether it's lead in paint or uh, perfluorinated chemicals in clothing and pots and pans, that these things we now know are a problem and they've been banned. There's the problem is so acute or if not banned, highly regulated pesticides in food. People, when they remember that the federal government told them for decades that a pesticide was safe and then suddenly, oops, it's gone. Well, what happened? Well, what happened was uh, our science finally overwhelmed resistance from the regulated industry and and a chemical that never should have been on the market is taken off. Well, was it causing harm all of that time when the government said it was okay? Yes, it was causing harm. And so for us, without trying to tell people that, you know, drive people crazy that they should move to a, a, a mountain meadow and live in a <laughs> yeah. yurt, right? Yeah. Um, we... You know, we say, uh, look, you, you can make huge changes in your exposures with pretty modest changes in what you buy and bring into your home to eat, to, to clean, to use on your body. You can make, well, there's that would be a start. Um, I was just holding up because nobody can see this. It's there's like my shame prop of a Diet it's Coke a, because- We all have them. It's disgusting. And I know it's made of garbage. And I actually, my daughter's- saw me take a can of Diet Coke because we, we aren't allowed to have, I don't have soda in the house, but we're staying with my father. And so I said to them, well, you know, it's not home, but we've been here for three months. And- um, Oh, is that right? So you're not at home. You're out, you're out, of, the, no, we, out of the city or something? Yeah, or we right? left the city to stay with my father. And so I'm making all these exceptions and I keep saying, well, this is poison. So I'm, I'm not going to let you have this, but I'm going to have some, I'm going to have it sometimes. But the the look on their face when I take a Diet Coke out, it's like I pulled a cigarette out. <laughs> They're just so horrified. And, uh, um, you know, so there are moments when we all make, obviously we're going to make exceptions and you just want to be thoughtful yeah. about it. That's and, not and my not finest hour doing that. That's not my, uh, I'm not so proud of that, but. Yeah, not, and look, you know, everyone's under extra stress now, right? Yeah. And so there, um, you know, the, the so-called unhealthy behaviors that, that become a way to relieve stress yeah. are, you know, Rearing disconnecting their, that yeah. connection is, is, is important. And if you can substitute a behavior or something you can drink that's healthier and you still can satisfy that urge, of course, that's what, that's what it's all about. And we, and, you know, we really do talk a lot about habit formation at EWG and, and the, 
one of the keys to that is to you know have these small wins these these small victories and cleaning up one aspect of although not my not my office right here now it hasn't been cleaned up <laughs> but cleaning up uh, what you eat or what you put mm-hmm. on your skin um, how you clean your countertops in your kitchen or what have you those reinforce one another and you and we want people to feel good about making those changes and exploring those changes uh, because that's how habits form you know you have a, a series of small wins and uh, it sets some keystone habits in, in place and habits of environmental health are very accessible to us now because we have seen a response in the marketplace where people get it. So and the companies will say, I'll just even say one more thing. You know, we often please. hear from the companies, look, we disagree with you on the science about that particular ingredient. We don't agree that it's a problem, but we're taking it out of our product anyway because the public is looking for a choice. And so there again, I think um, in some ways the way I came up thinking we were going to solve these problems through government regulation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that gap has widened. The gap between what we know is, uh, from a scientific standpoint is a risk and, and what the government is now able to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about uh, the current administration. This was right. a problem that's been growing for decades because, the, you know, the, the regulatory process has become uh, an ideological battleground as much as anything else that wasn't the case in the 70s and 80s and, and mid-90s when I was lobbying on Capitol Hill. But it is now. And so we have to look after ourselves. The, you know, the Food and Drug Administration doesn't regulate personal care products. We find uh, lots of reason to think that EPA has not done the job it should do regulating pesticides, much as we hoped that they would after the 1996 reforms were passed that we worked on. We, we know that Cleaning products are, are not regulated as they should be. Uh, we don't even have reliably the list of ingredients on all cleaning products. It's not, not a federal mandate. So uh, as you go through issue after issue, you find that the, this gap between what the government can do and what science is telling us is should be addressed has to be taken on by us, by parents. So if you are a parent, let me go back to you're pregnant, not you. <laughs> But I, I, um, I was talking to my baby cousin who's pregnant with her first baby right now, and she is just going through these first, those beginning thoughts I remember thinking about. Yeah. What kind of sunblock is she putting on her skin right now? Is this affecting the baby? What food is she eating? Is this affecting the baby? Is her hand sanitizer you know, addiction going to have a, an impact on yeah. her growing baby. All of these different questions are on her mind. And I wonder, I I guess, you know, our best new habits form at the onset of becoming a parent. It's like the easiest time to quit bad habits. It's the easiest time to start new good habits because you're motivated by something bigger than you ever thought you could be motivated by. Something that's not just you. Yeah. So what are the top habits if you're motivated right now, like what could I tell my cousin who's pregnant to start implementing without making her go crazy? Because you do want to feel also a lower anxiety than the world is ending and everything is poisonous. So what do you think? I'm starting with pregnant because she's on my mind right now because I just found out. Um, And then we'll go from, we'll we'll age up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and starting or adding to a family or bad news at the doctor's office. Those are the teachable moments that mm. we encounter in our audience. 
that bring people oftentimes to EWG. It, you know, in the case of someone who's newly pregnant, you know, you just want to be thoughtful uh, about uh, the food you're eating. Uh, you want to be, you know, careful that you're not confined to uh, in, in indoors and exposed to air pollutants. And that, that can mean something as simple as keeping a window open. So open you your might. window, yeah, walk, try to walk window. in your neighborhood every day, even if you get outdoors, cover yeah, up in a mask. Out. Yeah. These days, the air's never been cleaner, at least in, hasn't been this clean in decades, right? right. Because the, unfortunately, the economic activity we're not driving our cars and the buses and all the rest as much. We suggest that people think first to to diet, personal care products, the things you put on your skin. Uh, some of them do end up in your blood. We've done studies, as others have done, to look at that uh, migration. And there there are chemicals you want to avoid that can end up in your blood: phthalates, you know, BPA, all kinds of plasticizers uh, related chemicals that that you can avoid by switching to glass, not cooking in a microwave. There's just a lot of, I'm encouraged when I look at what's available online and in books now, that an awful lot of environmental health over the past 15 years has sort of bled into early parenting advice and books. Not enough yet. You know, it's quite doable. Uh, You know, go to our website and find out what's in your water. We have a tap water guide uh, and filter your water. Based on location, mm-hmm. you type in your zip code and find out. We can and we is, can show you how to buy healthy produce, even if you can't find or afford organic, by eating from our Clean 15 list of conventional food, where pesticide use is such that it, it's either they're not using the pesticides or not using them at the time, or they end up in the, in the flesh of the fruits so, or the vegetables. So there are ways to... Um, uh, to dramatically re- reduce pesticide exposures too, and and so forth. We've tried to build our whole program around helping people do these things again without w- without having to give up modern life. Uh-huh. And for for an expectant mom, you know, I th- I think routinely going through these things and bringing dad along, um, or bringing the partner along, obviously, mm-hmm. is important. Uh, it should be a a common effort when you're preparing the the nursery or preparing the room where the baby will be all the normal steps you would take the best advice um, with respect to all the consumer products you bring in there of course makes sense but we also encourage people to think about bedding that won't um, won't off gas paint if you're painting a new a new room make sure you use the kind of paints that that don't off gas and and if you're if you're the pregnant person Maybe don't do the painting, right? Right. Uh, have someone else do it, uh, just so you're not exposed to those those fumes. So it's just a an ongoing process of trying to find uh, the the ways in which you can reduce some of these major routes of exposure: personal care, indoor air pollution, food. These these are key. What about prenatal vitamins or any kind of vitamins? Are those? I know you probably have them listed on the website. Maybe not. We right? haven't. We haven't really. We haven't really done much with uh, vitamins. Uh, people have asked us to look into that before, with respect to because vitamin supplements just generally aren't very tightly regulated with respect to uh, efficacy and ingredients right. and toxins. So, toxic so you can components. basically say anything on a supplement, and it's just not. Yeah, it's pretty wild westy uh, uh-huh. when you get right down to it. Uh, this was a debate that was had in the. Last time, I think seriously, maybe in the late 1980s, early 1990s, and the and the supplement industry won, which is you know to say that there's very very limited regulation, unfortunately. 
we don't have much advice to give on that topic at EWG. Um, you know, we encourage people to listen to their pediatrician. If their mm-hmm. pediatrician is telling them or OBGYN, you should be taking these supplements if right. you're pregnant, listen to them. But we know that the supplement world is not regulated to the degree it could be. Okay. So we'll, fo- yeah. well, I'll tell my cousin to focus on what she can yeah. <laughs> control. And she can do it. She can do that. a lot. We haven't, we also have an app on our phone, you know, phone app. Oh, app what's the phone app? app? It's called Healthy Living, EWG Healthy Living, and it shows uh-huh. you both food and personal care products that you can um, you can switch both ways, and you can avoid sketchy ingredients and highly processed foods, and you can also avoid sketchy ingredients and personal care products. But again, it throws you know this is all connected. You, someone who's uh, expecting a new addition to the family has all kinds of other things they're worried about. It right. might be financial in these times, might be a job, might be location, might be all kinds of uh, other concerns, bringing COVID-19 into the household with um, a pregnant woman or a, you know, a newborn. These are all super stressful concerns because yeah. I have good friends who are either have little babies or expecting and uh, pe- people, current you know, colleagues and former uh, colleagues. It's a big deal. So again, I think getting people I don't want to say don't sweat the small things because sometimes the small things are, are important and they, they help you build up these habits of environmental health by, by you know, cleaning up uh, one area after another and not trying to do it all at once. But I also, I also think that for a, an expectant mom, you really do have to uh, understand that you're the vessel for, <laughs> for this growing life and anything you do potentially can, you know, can contribute to an exposure. We've tested umbilical cord blood at BWG and found hundreds of toxic chemicals, mm-hmm. including ones that were banned decades ago. And they're still showing up because there are residues of it in food, you know, they're persistent toxic chemicals. So it tells you that it makes sense to reduce as many exposures as you can. We still need the government to do its job, mm-hmm. please. But we, we also know that it's uh, harder and harder to make that happen. So you have to kind of take it on yourself. It's not as hard as it might seem. If you look at food, personal care products, and home cleaning products alone, that's a good start. Then dust in the home, control that the best you can. Don't, don't wear shoes. Don't you know, leave your shoes at the door. It's, you know, to some people, it seems kind of, kind of hokey. But it, Not when you're from important. New York City. <laughs> right, right. And, um, and, and also, I think um, just being you know thoughtful about uh, how you clean your house and keeping dust levels down is really really important it's a lot you know it's a lot just a lot. to to alleviate some of the anxiety just thinking about a pregnant woman thinking so much about the impact of everything that you put on and in your body impacting yep. your baby there's also the positive impact of the healthy things that you put in your body yes. and taking time for yourself so that you can make sure that your mental health is in a good place and finding time for Absolutely. meditation and walks. And those are all very positive contributions yes. to your growing baby. It's not just about, you know, what you're doing could be hurting your baby, but it's a lot of what you're doing can really help grow this healthy baby. And there's so many wonderful things that you can do. And to your point, they're not actually that hard. There are small things that yeah. we can do that actually are going to make a difference. And then it also feels good. Like, okay, I'm doing what I can. There's very little we can control in this world. And especially right now, there's very little we can control. But for our mental health, having the things that we can control be things that we do 
can really boost everybody's fight in this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, the same behaviors can both eliminate bad stuff and bring in good stuff to your life, right? I mean, it's, and we we don't uh, approach it in our household as as avoiding chemicals anymore. Now we look for, okay, what what's our lifestyle that that's healthy for us. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, the, the sketchy stuff, we're, we're going to eliminate that, but we don't dwell on the sketchy stuff that we had in our lives last year or five years ago or 10 uh-huh. years ago, or even last week. We really try and focus on making the positive steps day by day. And Beautiful. fortunately, again, some from regulation, but largely it's the marketplace responding. There are a lot of companies out there that get this now. Um, more and more consumers are, are demanding it. Um, uh-huh. We've seen we've seen sketchy chemicals go off the market by dint of you know consumer demand shifts much faster than through regulation. Um, Fascinating, you know. Yeah, I mean uh, phthalates, uh, BPA. These have been uh, perfluorinated chemicals, the PFAS chemicals, the Scotchgard, and so forth. Uh, we still have big concerns in those areas with the substitutes that have come in, but the you know initial rounds of those chemicals are. They're largely gone from a lot of consumer product categories that they dominated just ten years ago, and that's yeah. not because the government cracked down. It's because consumers said, "Oh, I, you know, I believe the science that's ahead of the government." The government, and you know, I remember when I was first in graduate school, it was so frustrating because I was like, "God, there is so much research out there. We have the science about so much for policy that." is not going to get recognized or implemented for decades, probably. And it right. just, I was young and naive and I didn't, you know, it was so weird to, to realize that it really is the parents in this case, I would say, that are going to have a, a faster impact because they are the consumers. So you do see a world where despite what's going on with the multiple pandemics in our society, that people still have the energy for thinking about these kinds of issues? Well, and again, that, you know, not to, not to look uh, too hard for silver linings, but you do have to look pretty hard to find them in these times. But the fact that it's a, an environmental crisis, the pandemic, and mm-hmm. so is racism, uh, exactly. public health crisis, right? Yeah. You know, it does heighten the notion that we're connected to our environment, things that are, you know, impinging on us that we're metabolizing day in and day out. We're yeah. metabolizing stress. <laughs> we're metabolizing, you know, lead that might be chipping off paint on an old window in communities around the country, particularly uh, affects communities, uh, people of color. And so all of these um, environmental phenomena, I think, are maybe more accessible to us now that we understand that there's this, not even a life form, right? It's these these viruses that live only, to the extent they live, to uh, hitchhike on our bodies and get from one host to the next. This environmental crisis, we, we have no medicine for it yet. We have no vaccine for it yet. So we're taking environmental steps to be healthy. So in that frame, I think, well, what other environmental threats have been out there that we didn't give much attention to? You don't give much attention maybe to cancer and the environment because it takes decades in many cases for this cancer to present. And, and so I'm hoping that during this period of time where people are thinking about how they can shape their health by shaping their environmental behavior, washing their hands, social distancing, wearing a mask, cleaning their countertops, and, uh, and so forth. I'm hoping that that inspires people to continue to think about how to keep their environment clean. 
how to keep their habits in line with what's in their best interest and, and look for products and behaviors that are accessible, don't require a dramatic change in your life, don't require dramatic change in your income, and still live a healthier life. Maybe this will be that small silver lining because maybe this generation of children will just be so much more thoughtful and motivated to connect all of those dots. Because you're right, whether it's the pandemic of racism or the pandemic of COVID-19, this is not happening. I mean, we will only be saved by taking care of each other. There's no other way. And our our environment. And our environment is a huge part of that. Yeah. I mean, we those of us who read uh, the, the the literature of uh, of epidemics and pandemics we we knew this would eventually happen but but i think for you know the average person now the idea that a virus could leap from you know bats in a cave in wuhan uh, china and make it to our doorstep in a matter of months yeah. right suggests that we're really are connected in ways we can't we can't always predict and to me, it, it makes it easier if you can accept that that can happen and we have the hospital hospitalizations and mortality to, to, to demonstrate it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not so far-fetched to think that air pollution can affect brain function as well as lungs. Maybe it's not so far-fetched to think that the buildup over time of hundreds of toxic chemicals in our bodies from all these various sources that are never studied for their combined impact Right. Much less studied in, in many cases uh, alone for their impact. That th- these environmental insults are something that it's pretty plausible, right? When you think about it, just like uh, suddenly now a, a virus uh, racing around the world is pretty tangibly, tragically plausible, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's real. So I hope that that sense of being connected to one another and to the environment does give people a, a new foundation for evaluating information about reducing uh, environmental exposures and risks in their day-to-day lives. And the other thing that's important here is that even though the government is still far behind and there's a big gap between what we know scientifically and what we regulate, the other dynamic that's happened is that as more and more consumers have become concerned and markets have begun to shift in response to that, safer, healthier products being provided, increasingly the private sector that might have just resisted regulation is now looking for, well, maybe, maybe we should have a common set of rules that, that elevates things so that those of us who are producing the you know, healthier products aren't at a disadvantage economically with those who are using the cheaper, sketchier ingredients. So, yeah. so we're seeing in personal care and food and in, in, in other areas, we're seeing an increased interest and we're working with companies now that are seeking tighter regulation, personal care markets, uh, cleaning products, and so forth. They've come to this because consumers have pulled them there. And they want to have uh, a market that has a floor that doesn't give uh, you know, competitors who aren't using healthy pro- uh, ingredients a competitive advantage. So it's really interesting the way this has evolved. It, it's not just markets solve our problems anymore. It's that as they're solving problems, there's also the potential for them to inform government action, which takes me back to why I got into this to begin with. I, you know, I, I wanted to be Ralph Nader. Everyone did it when I was, you know, <laughs> in, in the public interest world when I got into it, 60s and 70s and, and 80s. But the government doesn't work the way it, it used to. And so now we have to find new ways. And one of the allies we're finding, 
it's true in energy too. Look what's happening with the, the generation of electricity, solar power, taking off wind power, challenging the big utilities. They're freaked out about it, but the smarter ones are saying, hey, maybe we should get into the into Let's the make solar it better. Yeah. 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 So that to me is a cause of hope. And I also, another cause is, I mean, look what's happening with Black Lives Matter and the protests on the street. Uh, there you have a direct expression of uh, outrage and refusal to accept uh, the the environmental conditions, the the ambient condition of racism in this country. It's mm-hmm. everywhere, right? People are just rejecting it. Uh, we don't know what what answers will emerge yet, but those young people, people of all ages, but especially young people in the streets, demanding a new level of engagement is super exciting. I would that it didn't have to happen as a result of the, uh, what happened to uh, so many uh, Black Americans at the hands of police, but since it did happen, the incredible outpouring, I think, is going to, is going to have that same impact on, on governance. It's, we're seeing it already. Thank you for listening. For more information, don't forget you can go to ewg.org and I will put all this on the show notes. Thanks for being here. Have a wonderful week. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and please do write a review. It's really helpful and I enjoy reading them. 